0: Welcome everyone to another episode of the Evolution Exchange Podcast, the Denmark edition. If you haven't subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button to so stay updated to our latest episodes. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. Thank you so much for listening and i really hope to hear from you soon please enjoy the rest of the podcast let's get some introductions and we'll go from there so by way of quick introduction to myself if you don't already know me uh, i'm the nordics managing director here at evolution recruitment uh we specialize in placing freelancers across the whole of the nordic region and we've had the presence there for over six years now working with clara telia king rovio Trustpilot, uh, and many many more our specialty is in tech data product and design um, and i suppose the reason why we set up these events is that we're truly passionate about make, making a difference to our industry in what we we believe is adding value and then doing business not the opposite way around um today we've got an awesome guest so i'm very privileged of hosting an accomplished tech leader will be sharing insights on a topic that is more relevant than ever, uh, which is the future of the workplace. So as the CTO of the international markets at Monster MonsterLab, uh, which is a global digital uh, consultancy, he's got a wealth of experience managing development teams and contributing to the overall technical strategy of the company. He's well-versed in challenges and opportunities that come with remote work, uh, digital transformation and the changing landscape of the modern workplace. Uh, so, join me in giving a warm welcome to our esteemed guest as we delve into the exciting discussion of the future of the workplace. Yeah. So, hopefully, that was a fair introduction.
1: <laughs> I think you did really
0: well. Thanks a lot, Chris. <laughs> you for being here today. No, no, I'm delighted to have you. Honestly, every time we've spoken, I've really enjoyed it. So, today, I'm, I'm really Likewise. looking forward to discussing it too. Uh, really nice guy. Anyway. Let's stop loving each other. Um, so, so Stafford, can you tell us, uh, for our listeners uh, and viewers, I suppose, can you tell us a bit about your background and how you became interested in the future of the workplace uh, and how your experiences have shaped your perspective on this topic, please?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um had me worried a moment when you said the uh, quantity over quality. I'll, I'll, I hope we'll make it uh, past the 10 minutes mark, but, uh, but let's see. But but yes, happy to to give a bit of context uh, around myself. Um, so Stefan Sommer are based in, in Copenhagen, Denmark, and I've been working with technology more or less all my life. I started programming at the age of 11. I sort of knew that this was sort of my my way in life, so to say in my early careers after finishing my degree in computer sciences, as a computer scientist I I focused more on sort of the product startup uh, side uh, before turning my attention to consultancy, a bit by coincidence I would actually say Um, about six years ago, six and a half years actually now, I joined the um, uh, company back then called Nose, which then uh, later on got acquired by Monster Lab and so the past two years more or less I've been in the role as a CTO for international markets so we are sort of uh, split in two regions basically we have Japan plus which primarily consists of Japan and Vietnam and then we have um, what we call international markets so all markets from Singapore Bangladesh to Europe Middle East to America is focused around US um, and uh, Colombia That's sort of my remit, everything within technology. Um, I guess I I started becoming interesting in in this sort of topic. um, There's probably a a couple of different reasons, actually. First one would be that I've always had sort of um, an an interest in sort of the softer side of technology. I hope that sort of makes sense to everyone. But basically, um, everything around meetups, conferences, open source, knowledge sharing, sort of the workplace, workplace as we're going to discuss today, And sort of this sort of desire to contribute. We live in a world where we consume quite a lot. And I think it's, and we think as a company, is also the right thing to to contribute back, basically. Mm -hmm. And I guess if I had to answer the question more specifically, I think maybe the second part of it is that um, Mm -hmm. I think the workplace workplace plays such um, a... Important factor uh, in in sort of the, the industry. At least I work within in terms of attracting and retaining ta- retaining talent. So I think it's quite important actually for for technical leaders and or in general leaders at least working within technology to pay attention to this topic. Um, not just of personal interest, but also with sort of the the company at interest because it, there is still I would say to a large extent a war of talent, and you probably know this better than I do, Chris. And this is such an important uh, topic. So in terms of sort of the experiences, right, I think it might make sense to quickly understand um, what organization MonsterDub is. So we are 1500 people. We have more or less 30 locations worldwide. We are a digital consultancy and that primarily focus around four pillars, uh, technology, strategy, experience, and data. Uh, where I sort of represent technology primarily, but also a bit into sort of the data pillar. Um, we do sort of end-to-end solutions for our clients. And as I mentioned before, we uh, Monslab consists of a series of uh, acquisitions. So there's a few things I mentioned there, right? There's the global aspect, uh, and there's sort of this integration aspect, uh, which I think all... It's relevant when we talk about sort of the workplace. So a lot of the things I'll mention today is sort of based around that experience. And and
0: then when did it when did it start? Like you mentioned, you were talking about meetups. You were talking about open source before. Like when did it really click for you and on your journey of when? Hang on, we need to think about the way we work rather than just being awesome coders. For- when was that? When did that click happen for you? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> so I think there's probably two two ways of of answering that. One would be uh, while I was studying computer science, I quite early on realized that I had interest and in, and some might even say skills outside of sort of the technical bits and more on sort of the um, um, the softer skills, basically. Yeah. And that's probably where I picked up this sort of interest, and also uh, became aware of, of some of the, uh, the the traits or the skills I had. I think the second bit of the the answer is probably um, as I started getting into management uh, within a, you know a technology organization, understanding the value of the workplace and how can we sort of um, uh, compete, and also how can we just create a an awesome place to work, in which I think is a, is also a pretty important uh, bit for me. Okay.
0: Um. And so I suppose, listen, let's get straight into the topic. I suppose so. From your perspective, yeah. What What do you think are the most significant trends that kind of are going to shape the future of the workplace? And and kind of, I suppose everyone listening is probably working for a company. Yeah. And how can those companies prepare for these
1: changes? Yeah. So. Before maybe um, answering the question uh, more directly, I would actually like to take a a step back and just introduce a couple of drivers that have influenced these trends, um, at least seen from the lens of my experience of my life. I think, as I sort of alluded to in my LinkedIn uh, post, I think the last few years has accelerated this journey towards the the future of the workplace. And I think there's a couple of drivers, at least that has influenced my experience. One would be obviously the pandemic, right? I think that is quite clear to most people that the pandemic now all of a sudden required lots of organizations to uh, think about digital transformation, think about how to adopt digital technologies to um, to sort of enable the workforce to work together remote. I think there was a huge shift uh, with the pandemic, right? There was other factors that which you can come back to, which is people started spending more time with their families, understanding what was important in their lives. Some people started feeling isolated, and and that sort of led to probably a, a lot more burnout. Then I think the, the the war in Europe, in Ukraine specifically, has also um, um, sort of um, played uh, or had an impact on sort of the, the journey we've been on, uh, where you started seeing people actually fleeing into other countries. There was now this sort of big topic around organizations needed to think about relocation and sort of mobility and obviously also remote working. And then last but not least, I think the whole sort of generative AI, uh, which is a hot topic. And I think it'll probably be, uh, uh, you, you've probably seen this before, but it will probably be difficult to not go down that tangent in this podcast as well, because it's such a hot topic. It, it, it takes up so much space today. Uh, which obviously in relation to the question is around automation, replacing bits of our of our work um, and also sort of the value add as I see it in terms of enhancing our on how we work in terms of specific trends, if I had to come back to your question, I think I touched upon sort of this remote work I think the remote hybrid sort of work obviously is 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 a big topic right it it is and I think it will be for for the uh, So the next few years to come, uh, where we've had sort of this shift around, are we on site? Are we now uh, remote in terms of the pandemic? Are we then coming back to the office or do we sort of embrace this hybrid way of working? Um, There's some interesting considerations around this in terms of how does the future workforce look like um, when we start considering not being bound by entities or offices then we can actually tap into a larger talent pool right coming back to this sort of war on talent we can potentially start thinking more around 24 7 right either if you're your support organization or we're talking about sort of uh, ongoing work i think there's something around risk mitigation and um, being less exposed to certain markets by being present in multiple markets uh, through sort of this remote or hybrid workforce and obviously there's some challenges ar- as well around the sense of belonging sort of the, the the well-being of people in terms of how do we manage people legislation tax and so on if you are to operate in new in new markets I think the office space also is interesting um, both in terms of the home office what does people n- uh, need uh, do they even need anything what do they need at the company office? Do we even need a company office anymore or should it be a small office should it be a co-working space Should we have free seating how do we sort of structure the office space just uh stop me if i'm spending too much time on no the, the no space. no I, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go deep
0: dive in a few of these because yeah the uh, just feel free to go ahead i mean tell you what on, on that break i will ask a question
1: <clears throat> go ahead.
0: it seemed like especially in Denmark, I mean, um, what, pre-pandemic, it still was mainly in the office. Yeah. Pandemic hits, completely not in the office. And then, post-pandemic, it feels like the conversation is moving towards hybrid. Yeah, and so, I'm just, and people are saying it, a bit of a buzzword actually at the minute, not the most attractive buzzword, but it's a nice way of saying, get back in the office, please. Yeah, Where, where, where are your thoughts on this? Do you think like do you think people are seeing once again the value of being face to face and collaborating do you think miro is going to disappear for example <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so kind of what's your
1: thoughts on that In a minute. obviously i i think this will be sort of um quite depending on market from market right and organization to organization but i think there's a couple of high level trends that is going on right there's sort of um the organization is trying to get people back into the office, and you you probably hear a lot about some of the Silicon Valley companies, as I read about as well, trying to find this balance, and you see the employees pushing back, and it almost becomes sort of a, a sort of competitive parameter as a workplace uh, these days. I think where we are at in terms of OneSlab Copenhagen, I think is quite similar to what I'm sort of seeing elsewhere in in sort of the in my surroundings inside of Denmark which is this sort of trying to find this ideal hybrid way of working right because as we've seen coming back to Silicon Valley there's definitely employees who have a hard time adjusting and accepting now that they have been working remote for quite some time having to come back to the office at the same time I think most people also see the value in actually spending time together, right? So I think lots of organizations out there, including ourselves, are trying to find this right balance, right? Where we do accept and, and sort of uh, allow people to, to work from home and, and wherever they want to work. But we also need to spend time together for several reasons. Um, could be well-being. It could also be a um, sense of belonging. Uh, but it could also be efficiency in, in some specific scenarios as well. Do you think
0: one of the things I see, uh, and I obviously one not name companies is that I go out to my clients, they talk about this uh, move to back to the office or an element of, they say, listen, we've agreed, it's Tuesday and Thursdays. I ask the question, well, what actually happens? And they say, well, I might get a Tuesday, I might get a Thursday every other week. Right? And that is like, Across the board, yeah. Do you do you know of or can you imagine someone doing it in the hybrid in a different way that isn't agreed days? For example, like certain types of meetings, yeah, certain times of year. Like, can you see that happening, or have you know any good success stories of doing it like that? But it seems like the Tuesday Thursday thing is something someone at sea level would say just to make sure they're clear about things.
1: Yeah, I th- I think we. Speaking about ourselves for a minute, I think we actually tried that at some point, trying to sort of not um, decide but recommend when to come in just to try and um, ensure that there there were sort of energy and and people at the office and try to sort of ensure as much as, as sort of overlap as possible so people could sort of see each other. I think today we're probably a bit more um, fluid or loose around that. I think people are, are much more sort of deciding by themselves. I think it's over time, they're sort of building up a culture around that certain activities requires um, sort of uh, physical attendance, right? Um, but I think the there's something else interesting about, which we'll probably come back to in terms of sort of... Um, inclusion and, and equality in terms of ensuring that in this hybrid sort of setup, we ensure that everyone is is welcome and treated sort of equally, right? Um, I think this is one of the, actually the bigger challenges we're seeing, right? Where we don't want people sitting remote to be left out when we have this sort of hybrid way of working. And I think that's a, that is a fairly big challenge to, uh, and, and, and shouldn't be uh, overlooked or undervalued but to answer your question I think I'm not sure if I would I, I, I might even go uh, as far as and say it, I think it is a success story because generally people are quite happy with the model we're currently uh, running with in, in our own organization which is this certain activities require physical attendance otherwise you are a responsible employee and, and you are able to sort of decide uh, yourself as well and i know our conversation might go
0: ai but can you imagine can you imagine and how far are we away from some sort of virtual office in terms of like actually i'm not just talking about an office that you're just using but an actual
1: virtual office where you are walking around with an hotel It's interesting, right? Because I think a lot of organizations played around with this uh, thought or probably did some experiments. We did the same as well. So during the pandemic, we had certain teams uh, hosting meetings inside of the metaverse, trying to understand how that sort of uh, would work. And I can definitely see that happening, right? I, but, but it's difficult to say when it will happen, I think, if I'm being honest. I think we're still a bit... Um, I think that's still a bit into the future, if I'm being honest. I think um, we have a saying that it should be sort of enabled by technology and not led by technology. And I think this applies quite well in this case where we shouldn't just be doing it because we can, or it's sort of a, that might be the future. I think we should do it when it actually makes sense. The technology is ready. We can see sort of the value by doing that. you know, we can come back to some of the challenges that might actually be mitigated by doing this. But right now, I think there's still a bit of work to do before we get there. And Stefan, you mentioned uh, before about about being
0: supporting staff in how they want to work, whether it be fully remote, fully on site or hybrid. The hybrid, it seems like that's one of the challenge ones because, granted, some people... <laughs> might have a not the best model but well, people had a model for supporting staff in the office yeah and uh, some were very successful Some had to work on it i've seen some companies uh go we're a fully remote first company right and therefore the model is something clear and defined how how are we going to work on supporting both elements of staff and have you got any ideas or any way, ways that you imagine it going of supporting the hybrid workforce when ultimately you're buying beers for the people in the office and you're sending a beer to the remote? I don't know.
1: Like, how, how have you seen it, seen it playing out and how do you, where do you think it's going? Uh, it, I think it's a good question. I think there's something on a higher level that I just want to quickly touch upon, which is that I generally don't think that you should be... Obviously, you need to... To solve that challenge, they need to come up with a plan. But I think there's something even more high level that I think is more relevant or sort of interesting, which is this is not a one-off, right? This is something that happened. The pandemic happened. Some of the other events that I mentioned happened. And these are are not one-offs. There will be more events in the future. So I think from a management point of view, I would start by understanding or sort of answering the question around how do we prepare our organization for change, right? I think that's more Mm. relevant to think about. This is not a one-off. This is how do we structure our organization? How do we create the right culture in our organization so that we can adapt for the future? I think that's super important to, uh, to, to discuss and to think about. But in terms of 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 sort of your question, right? I think there's probably different things that has worked in different organizations. And coming a bit back to my point, I think my view is that at least uh, my recommendation would be that you set up the right structure where you can sort of listen, learn, and all right. So you listen to the organization around what works and what does not work for that specific organization. you learn from that and then you try to sort of evolve. There's obviously many specific things you could do in terms of one of the things that we have noticed is that if you are to manage a remote or hybrid team, you need a bit of training, right? You need to understand what are some of the dynamics that have now changed and how can I sort of be prepared for that? Um, I think there's other things um, in terms of sort of well-being that you need to consider. Um, And I think minor things such as, right, if you're working remote, you need to turn on your camera uh, to ensure that people are sort of in in the in the virtual meeting and so on. So I think on a high level, ensuring that your organization is fit for the future and adaptable, right? I think is super important. And then I think there's a couple of uh, sort of tactical steps uh, that would work depending on what organization you are. But I think the main important point is just to be aware of what you're doing and whether or not it works actually. Sorry, does does that make sense, Chris? No, no, hundred percent it 100% makes sense.
0: Yeah. Um... And honestly it's the key to life, isn't it? Listening and asking new questions. <laughs> yeah, honestly we should write a book. Um I suppose I suppose to challenge that then, yeah, um, how how are we going to create the culture how have you done it? Yeah, to give people the time to listen to more about either problems they've not faced before or more complex problems. How 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 can we do that?
1: So I guess that's probably um a few steps that you could look into, right? I think there's something around um, the structure, right? How do you drive decision-making? How do you ensure that you're not uh, taking decisions in a too slow fashion or in a way that um, it's only been sort of um, taken by the top? So creating a structure in the organization that allows um, authority and mandate in, in sort of pockets of the organization to drive decision making to try experimenting and to sort of um, um, ensure that we are sort of uh, adapting to whatever is coming I think that that could be one part then I think there's something on the cultural bit ensuring that you are open to suggestions, open to ideas um, that you actually show, that you listen and you actually um, you know, use the input to help drive decision making as well and that could be done in many different ways, right? I think those are sorry Right, Grace. We're about- no, 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 I wasn't about about No, uh, apart from
0: the fact that I agree, yeah, culture of listening, feedback, um, actually, genuinely, genuinely listening to the people, which is difficult, but it's important. Uh, it's so important. I suppose where where I was going to get to, and we've already started touching it, but I suppose what role is tech going to play in this uh, in the workforce of the future, and like. How can uh, organizations leverage emerging technologies to focus on productivity, collaboration, innovation? And if you've got any examples, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, um, it's interesting, right? I think um, we started having, just to name a a specific example, Right, we had a few um, sort of internal workshops in the organization around how how might we sort of utilize ChatGPT uh, internally as an organization as well as sort of a uh, positioning towards our clients right that's usually or that's um, a very sort of um current topic as we discussed and it's interesting to sort of consider where do we place sort of using this internally does it sit with IT does it sit with technology I think that might even be the first question to ask who drives this agenda on applying technology internally Uh sort of you know, most likely optimize the organization, right? But in terms of what specific technologies might be relevant, I think that was more the question, right?
0: Mm. Yeah, driving uh, collaboration, productivity, uh, innovation, like what what is which specific techs are going to do it, and then it's
1: general ideas about where it could go and what problems we could solve. We could probably categorize it in... Um, in, in a way where we could talk about some some of the things that have already happened to a large extent. I, I imagine most of the viewers or listeners comes from technology organizations or organizations that are, are fairly tech savvy. So a lot of these organizations would have always, already adopted you know the usual stuff, right? Um, remote call um, technology, whiteboards, you, you mentioned Miro or Lucid or whatever that might be. Um, some of the... Uh, some tech organization that, that does software development might have started to experiment or adopt some of the coding um, uh, technologies such as Copilot inside of GitHub. Uh, yeah. We probably started documenting more, file sharing, all of these sort of uh, things, I would say, to a large extent, is already in place, Project management, data analytics probably inside of the organization. I think when we talk about sort of the next stuff that is coming, obviously generative AI is going to be a big part of that, as I see it at least. And um, let's just take this podcast as an example, right? So in order for me to prepare for this podcast, I use ChatGPT just as an experiment also, because I thought it could be fun given the topic of today. So I asked ChatGPT a range of questions around what are key topics within this area, what are some of the less common uh, topics within this area? What may I be asked from you, Chris, or the audience? Um, and I even also had it uh, come up with a draft for the LinkedIn post um, I used. This is just to show how um, this is sort of changing my way of thinking and way of working, right? And we are a digital consultancy, and you could easily see that being applied in terms of how we are uh, preparing for our proposals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we were to present something for a client, why not use ChatGPT to get some feedback or have them or have have the have ChatGPT be the client and, and ask some of those critical questions. And um, you could obviously use it for a bunch of uh, different things in terms of sort of content creation, right? Um, coding is obviously very relevant to us, either that being actual coding, if it's debugging if it's reviewing um and and so forth i think the um, the ar vr metaverse is also interesting and will also and is also uh, playing a role already i think there's something around sort of this sense of belonging which may be mitigated by using some of these technologies i think it could also be quite useful in specific scenarios um role-playing education Or something like that. Maybe in some organizations, some of the other um, sort of trending technologies, uh, whether that being IoT, 5G, quantum computing, might be relevant. But I think that is a bit um, far from my sort of uh, area of expertise, so to say. It's really interesting.
0: It's difficult not to talk, talk about ChatGPT, but I use it every day as well. <laughs> uh, it's I very good. It right <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I, mean, I suppose I've got some thoughts as well. But I mean, from hear me out. From my perspective, ChatGPT can increase productivity to a, a level where you can enjoy your life and not spend two hours preparing for something that now takes 35 seconds, right? I'm, I am interested in your opinion around... Uh, chat GPT and collaboration yeah I suppose the specific being well that that message is clearly written by an AI AI tool that's offensive to me yeah why would they send that yeah uh, am I speaking to John or is that just an AI tool that John's got and then innovation uh, an innovation for innovation's sake in terms of asking an AI tool to do something when u- ultimately you don't understand and you don't know why it's happened. I'm interested to know your thoughts around ChatGPT and, I suppose, collaboration and innovation. And what do we have to be careful about uh, and how can you see us uh, protecting ourselves from those type of challenges?
1: So I think the next... Um at least six maybe even 12 months are going to be very very uh, important and exciting to see how this sort of all settles in so to say i think there's so many things up in the air and i think the related technologies are you know changing and evolving at a very rapid speed at the moment and it can almost be overwhelming uh, and for some definitely intimidating and so I, i really must look forward to see how Things are settling over the next six to twelve months to to fully understand how we're utilizing this because I don't think we have all the answers today. I think it requires more investigation, more sort of um, experiments, and, and 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 organizations trying more things out before we fully understand this. But Obviously, some of the bigger issues that have been going on, uh, one would be to ensure as an organization we have the right policies in place. I think we've seen many uh, interesting examples of um, sensitive private data leaking into training some of the algorithms to, for example, chat GPT. And obviously, this is something you as an organization need to to sort of um, be aware of and, and set the right policies. How do we actually use... These tools, we could talk about co-pilot as well. How do we uh, avoid sharing sensitive code to uh, the, the model, so to say? I think, obviously, bias is another big topic that has been okay. talked a lot about you now on how we train and, and sort of how these models evolve over time and how do we um, sort of avoid yeah. this potential bias that there might be, which is something we need to be aware of. But ultimately, I think, at least that's my current view, is that um, although in some cases this is about sort of, um, we could talk about job uh, sort of replacement, right? Uh, Where some of the traditional jobs might be disappearing, um, but what gets me the most excited is how do we get augmented? by a technology such as ChatGPT. Coming back to my example before about this podcast, I don't use ChatGPT and then blindly follow whatever it says. I put on my critical lens and I ensure that I have sort of applying my own experience and knowledge as well as sort of a common understanding and common sense even, and not just blindly use whatever it, it gives me back. And I think that is going to be one of the key things, right? prompt engineering. To yeah. <laughs> yeah, So I think education and, and understanding how the technology works, how do you use the technology is going to be quite critical for organization, not just for technology organization <laughs> and not just for, you know, the technology department within organization. I think this is something that is much wider than that. I think everyone needs to to know this. I grew up as a I I like to call myself a digital native, and I I grew up at a time where I spent most of my life using Google. So it's very intuitive for me to understand how Google works and how do I get the best result using Google. I can say the same for some of my um, older relatives, right? And I think this is another shift. I think the the new digital natives uh, sort of um, growing up with ChatGPT will now understand how that works it's
0: it seems right now we're definitely at a stage with chat of how good you are at inputting or prompting and setting the context and then how good are you at quality assuring what comes out right right now you need to be very good at those things to use this uh, to use chat gpt yeah where do you think we'll get to a stage where both those sides will be limited and therefore, in the context of this topic, the future of the workplace is generally in your workplace surrounded by people with an element of computer science in their job, right? Can you see the, the need not to have computer science, uh, but more how to develop products, manage people, yeah, uh, think about ideas that generate revenue and more business acumen people rather than tech people? almost. Can you, so I suppose there's, there's two elements to that question. Can you
1: see that? Can you see that happening? Let me try and and, and answer it. And please just let me know if I, I got the question wrong. Yeah. But basically, I receive a lot of questions around sort of how do I see the sort of the implications or sort of the development of workplaces uh, with the introduction of something like ChatGPT in other words, should we be afraid of people losing jobs or are we sort of optimistic about the the, the what the future would bring? And and generally speaking, I'm very, very excited about this because I, I generally believe that, you know, human beings are creative. We have very interesting ways of looking at problems and our ability to sort of look holistically on, on things. I see something like ChatGPT basically augmenting Uh, our uh, way of working. And I think the same would apply when we talk about coding, for example, or creating software. The way I like to think about it is that what if we could remove some of the the basic stuff, some of the mundane stuff that we we typically read about when we read about ChatGPT. The same could be applied for coding. And instead, we are more solution architects. Someone who has the, 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 the greater picture can stitch things together, uh, proofread what is coming out of the machine and, and sort of ensuring that it is what we were intending it to be. I think I cannot see a foreseeable future where that would not be needed. I think if I had to draw a parallel, um, I think we've been listening to a technology such as low no code, no code for the past many Yes, as well around sort of the the dream scenario where you where you shouldn't or you have you you did you were not able or you were not required to code. You would just drag and drop, and you could create the software you would need. And although I think there is truth in that sort of um, uh, pr- sort of promise or or sales pitch, I think it's also shown that it 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 makes sense in some scenarios, uh, where in other scenarios you need to go a bit deeper and you need to create more sort of custom software development. I think the same would apply here, um, where I don't think coders or programmers or software developers are being replaced. I think we are getting augmented, and I think we might be, you know, playing a slightly different role over time as they're sure. matures. And I think that's very, very exciting. I suppose on the back of that, then, uh, if there's a software engineer or
0: coder or what, if you call yourself, developer, engineer, coder, yeah, personal preference, but what advice would you give them then to prepare for that future?
1: Um, so I think not paying attention to this space would be unwise. I think, coming a bit back to what I said before, I think even in organizations, departments outside of technology should be paying attention to this, because I think as I as I highlighted on, on one of my LinkedIn posts recently, there's more to it than high, but I, I truly believe that. So at least preparing yourself for the unknown by by paying attention to uh, what it can and what it cannot do, I think is is going to be quite important and then just be um, sort of adaptable, right We try to embrace a bit of the what what comes next, but also be also be critical at least for the time being where this is not fully materialized or settled. I think there's still uh, a lot of things up in the air that needs to be sort of be more clear before we can we'll certainly say what will happen, so to say. Yeah, this thing, uh, we could probably
0: speak for three hours and a full bottle of wine on this topic, um, but we've not got that today. Um, so, yeah, no, really interesting to hear your thoughts. And if, PT you are listening... We're well, sorry, I'm joking. Uh, we actually did have... Uh, ChatGPT on one of the podcasts. So if you've not seen it, listen out. We put did the Amazon plug in. It's an amazing episode. uh She even apologized for being on mute at one point. So yeah, I will definitely put that in the link uh, for people to listen to. um Yeah, I suppose. Listen, in this, we've talked about technology. We've talked about flexibility, uh, but I suppose listen, companies, organizations still need to be stable. To produce consistent results. Yeah, from a company's perspective with all these changes, how can they kind of balance it? The, the need for flexibility, yeah, the technological changes with the need for consistency
1: and delivering results. I think it comes a bit back to my my point earlier about not considering this as being a one-off, but ensuring that we have a process and systems in place to Understand how the organization is doing, so that you're more prepared for making changes if needed. To but I think there's a few specific things right around um, understanding what they actually want. Like all organizations are not the same, so understanding um, whether that is through you know management or if it's through systems, fully understand what does this what does the employees of this organization actually want. In terms of trying to sort of navigate this balance you mentioned um and then i think at least for us uh, i think there's something around ensuring that the right people are equipped for this sort of ever-changing um time or space that we are in uh, today so providing needed training and sort of a um, support i guess um, i think there's something around um uh, looking after the well-being that we discussed as well, uh, in terms of that you can easily feel isolated, you can easily feel sort of um, uh, sort of lose the sense of belonging to an organization if you are either remote or hybrid Uh, so having the right processes in place to ensure the well-being of um, employees is going to be quite important Um, and then I I personally like to have a bit of structure around the flexibility, Um, you mentioned this sort of uh, when do we meet as an example mm. right i think some sort of structure also makes sense uh, at least that's my personal uh, uh, view okay
0: interesting um yeah it's a question actually just on the last topic from uh, tim that i've just seen it's show here uh so yeah it's on the collaboration piece so what will ChatGPT affect the collaboration between colleagues? So cheers for the question, Tim.
1: Uh, Stefan? Yeah, it's a good question. We actually had um, I had a demo actually just today around a prototype we did where we used sort of um, a VR uh, to create an environment using ChatGPT uh, oh, yeah. where you could... Uh, How is like, this only called I mean, on at this point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a VR and AI tool yet, don't worry about it. <laughs> so we, we were sort of trying to make a um, sort of a hiring situation where you were, you know, in this VR environment, talking with a person in this uh, scenario using ChatGPT, so sort of voice to text and text to voice, and and have ChatGPT acting as the sort of uh, the one recruiting, um, which was quite interesting, right? It it shows some limitations, it shows some possibilities. We also expanded into an sort of an AI environment using the HoloLens. And we started discussing what are the use cases for this? Like, what could it, where could this actually be helpful? Like, where would this be enabled by technology and not led by technology? Where does this actually create value and not just be sort of a gimmick, so to say, um, for lack of a better word? And, and we talked about some of the ethical implications of some of these use cases as well. Uh, coming a bit back to Tim's question, which is this sort of, will local subject matter knowledge be included in love and decision-making, right? I think that's a bit related to what I was trying to allude to, which is we should try and, and not replace everything by, by Jet GPT, even though it's uh, sort of tempting these days. Um, but I think that's part of the experimentation that we need to do. To fully understand, where does this make sense and where does it not make sense? Again, at some point, I hope it will be a bit more clear where some of the the more sort of uh, straightforward things will be solved by the technology. So you could almost, I I at least uh, envision sort of the FAQ of the organization to be solved by ChatGPT. Um, maybe that's okay. Maybe it takes away some of the social bonding. Not really sure, but. But I could see that having a value actually uh, always be available, um, effective, and so on. But then there's obviously other things that we need to to take into considerations, where we need to drive decision making uh, as human beings, and you know involving the relevant parties and so on. But what if the research or some of the analysis or the insights could be generated by a technology such as ChatGPT. Wouldn't that be, a, assuming that it would be correct and we'll iron out any you know, issues that might be coming along the way, but assuming that it would actually be uh, correct, I think that could be an, an awesome use case to be augmented um, in decision-making as human beings.
0: I hope I that l- answers the question, Yeah, I think hopefully it, it does, Tim. Um, a lot of time when you said I thought, if ChatGPT only, um, the only problem it solves is frequently asked questions. I, was, I started laughing. I went, hang on. I'd love it to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's literally in the thing frequently asked. If it's just asked questions, you don't want to ruin that. Frequently asked, that's, that's the annoying bit. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, there's a question in from Christian here as well. Um, so cheers the the quest, question, Christian. Yeah, so do you think, the, I suppose he's talking about the economy at the minute, uh, particularly in SAS? Uh, do you think this will drive leaders towards uh, seeing offices as a cost center? Yeah, and so therefore, let's all go remote or towards getting everyone in the office so we can I can check what you're doing. What's your thoughts? Yeah.
1: I think this is uh, an interesting question. I think uh, I think it might even I, I think it depends a bit on the type of the organization, right? I think some of the more remote matured organizations will definitely see an office as a cost center, right? I think mm. that's a, a trend that we have seen where people start to re sort of the office space as I touched upon in the beginning. Maybe we can just scale down the office a bit. We may not need this big office anymore because people are coming in once in a while and that might be enough to fulfill some of the, the requirements we have as an organization in terms of that social bonding and belonging. Um, but I think I could definitely see organizations that are less mature in terms of sort of technology and, and working remote, that they would sort of um, have this sort of lack of oversight and would sort of um, um, sort of be pushing more for for, um, for employees to coming back into the office. So I think both will happen. I think both is already happening. I don't think there's sort of a one, uh, at least that's not my view, that there's one uh, only one sort of silver bullet uh, answer to this. I think depends on where they are in their sort of maturity and also sort of the cultural aspects of the organisation.
0: Okay, um, Stefan, I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna finish on one question here. Um, based on everything you've uh, you mentioned today, or anything you've not mentioned, I suppose, kind of what advice would you give to like companies that are looking to think about the future of the workplace? Yeah, you know, in thinking about innovation, productivity, fulfilling yeah what what kind of advice would you give to uh, those companies um, based on what you said today?
1: Yeah, so I, I think maybe where it all starts is to sort of um, acknowledge that this will and to some extent is already a competitive parameter, right? I think this in this in this world we are in today within technology where there is a, a sort of worn talent, I, I think this is a competitive parameter and I think the first step is to acknowledge that. Because they will sort of put it on the agenda and the organization will start thinking about how do we then deal with this. If you have that in place, I think there's a few things you need to do. One would be to start investing time into understanding this sort of this space, right, or understanding this area. If you're not investing time into, you know, research, analysis, uh, reports, conferences, just time spent uh, with other people or just by, uh, you know, educating yourself around this topic, then I think it will be very difficult to navigate this. Then I touch upon another thing around sort of, and maybe I'm saying this a few times now because I'm quite focused, as many organizations are today, to become sort of data-driven, but understanding sort of the pulse of the organization, how are they doing, what works and what does not work. I think that will make you understand... whether or not you got your decisions right or not as you start implementing things. Then you could start thinking about having either a culture or maybe a more structured approach to experimenting, right? So this could either be R&D or just it's part of the culture, the way that people spend their time and trying out things. And then I really, really don't think this is a one-off. I think it's much more important to embrace and understand the value of being adaptable for for the things that are coming next. Um, so whether that's a structural thing, a cultural thing, just to try and be prepared for that, I think that's also super important. Stefan, honestly, I could talk to, you, talk to
0: you for hours. I mean, we probably have spoken for hours in the context of <laughs> uh,
1: uh,
0: our relationship. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed your insights. Obviously, uh, if those questions that got asked uh, that we couldn't answer today, I'm going to send those over. Uh, If you are listening by podcast, thank you so much for listening to another episode. If you've not seen this podcast before and you're watching today, uh, you can go and find it at Evolution Exchange DK. Um, And yeah, this actual recording will be kept on LinkedIn under the Evolution Nordics page. Um, Stefan,
1: if if people want to reach out to you, um, how would they do it? I'm using a Twitter list the day, these days, so LinkedIn is probably the best. So feel free to look up my name at uh, on LinkedIn and feel free to connect. I'm happy to uh, connect with anyone and to continue the uh, conversation. And thanks a lot, Chris, uh, for having me.
0: Yeah, no problem. And I suppose that big question, obviously, um says that you've got a good thing going over at Monster. Yeah, exciting things, a leader like yourself still getting to do to have like a structured... Um, way of looking at AI, VR, yeah, Uh, so still getting to do some pretty cool things. Uh, What type of people are you looking for and who should reach out to you? So we are
1: generally, um, you know, um, uh, hiring all the time, right? So whether that is uh, within a specific technology or within a specific market, you can always go to our, uh, you know, our homepage and see our open positions, but even though it might not be open. You're always welcome to uh, to reach out. Um, but we 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 um, we go across many different technologies worldwide. So I I wouldn't start naming specific technologies uh, right here. I think if you are in the space uh, within technology and you like what we do, feel free to reach out. Love it. I definitely recommend it. Cool office in Copenhagen too,
0: uh, easily accessible. Nice people as well. So, yeah, definitely reach out um, and, yeah, definitely add uh, Stefan. I think I'll link to these on the Stefan T summer. Uh, but, yeah, thank you again for such an interesting discussion. And, yeah, thank you to all the listeners for listening. Thanks a having us live, everyone. Bye-bye, everyone.